From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. I'm Tammy Katzoff, and in each episode of this podcast, I talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, I spoke with Ariel Birdoff, class of 2004, a school outreach librarian for the New York Public Library. As I do with most of these interviews, I began the conversation by asking how and when Ariel became interested in her occupation. I've always been interested in books. Uh, Before I became a librarian, I worked in publishing as an editorial assistant for quite a long time. And about halfway through that, in about like 2007, I decided I wanted to get a master's degree in something, and I wasn't totally sure what. And then one of my friends said, oh, I, I, I just always thought you'd be a librarian. And like a little light bulb went off and I said, yeah, you know, you're, you're right. <laughs> I probably should do that. So in about 2007, I went back to grad school to get my degree in information sciences, which I did very part-time all the while working as um, still in publishing. And then in 2012, I graduated and I still worked in publishing. And then a couple years after that, my company went through several rounds of layoffs. And after a few of those, I finally uh, (laughs) uh, succumbed to the layoffs. And I thought, well, I have this uh, degree. (laughs) And then I went to actually become a librarian. So it's kind of a long road, but Mm. I'm here. Pre-pandemic, what was your uh, daily life like on your job? Pre-pandemic, I had office space in Manhattan, which was kind of my home base where I would come in and work with um, my fellow librarians, planning out, well, outreaches that I would do with the schools. So I'd either be at the office doing fun things like statistics and graphs and spreadsheets, but the bread and butter of what I did was I would travel to schools We all had our own territories. I was West Manhattan from 14th Street North. So all the way up to like the 200s, the west side of Manhattan. And I serviced about 53 schools that belonged to this partnership program with the Department of Education and all three library systems in New York City. And I would help facilitate this program and kind of be the school's personal librarian so that teachers and the school librarians and all the students could have access to the library. The program provided mailed teacher sets. So students and teachers would be able to get books mailed to the school that they could use in the school. So I would A, help with that, but B, also present to educators on how to use the library, on students how to use the library, fun new books that had come out, basically anything that the school wanted the library to do, I was their librarian. So I would usually partnership with like a local branch and maybe we'd all go in and talk about all the wonderful things that we could do. Sometimes I'd get to lead discussions, do book clubs, one school had an opera club, which is so cool. Yeah, I know. it was wow. it was super cool. They would go to the opera like once a year and I'd somehow get to like help chaperone and like I'd bring little flyers and books that were based on the opera and we all read it together. It was so cool. So you went to I the got, Met? 
Yes. I assume oh. you went to the Met. Wow. It was so cool. But, you know, I do like back to school nights. I'd set up tables. I'd help people get library cards. It was pretty great because I traveled all over Manhattan and I got to speak directly to kids, to teachers and talk about books. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I miss it very much. <laughs> so speaking of, uh, what, what is what is your uh, work life like now? Totally different. Everything is virtual. I have not been on the subway since March. Wow. <laughs> Who knows what that's even like anymore. I haven't been to my office since March. Everything is virtual. We are my colleagues and I, we didn't always see each other anyway, because we were always traveling. So that's not new. We only usually saw each other every other week or so. We have virtual meetings now every other week. So I guess we still see each other just over Zoom. But we are creating a lot of content where we didn't always like, you know, we always went in and spoke to people, but it was more like, oh, I'll, I'll stop by your school and you'll tell me your concerns. Now it's more structured, like, yes, like, let's get on and have a Zoom meeting with this teacher and we can talk about how we want to do a virtual book club. A lot of what we're doing now is troubleshooting, like your library card doesn't work. Okay, how can we fix that on our end? Or you need to get a new library card. At the end of last school year, it was very like we would be coming up with blogs. We're now writing blogs like, okay, so you want to know how to teach anti-racism in your school with everything that's been going on. Well, here's like 50 blogs that we all wrote as opposed to coming in and doing a presentation. Mm. Um, So it's definitely like more virtual. Right now I'm working on a back to school crafts blog, you know, (laughs) because it's not like we can go in and do the crafts. Um, So we're very in our own homes, you know, we're, (laughs) we're very, yeah, everything is based at a home. But for anyone who was ever wondering how people would be librarians at home, like we've all proven to everyone that working from home is a legitimate thing. So that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we're all busier now than we ever were. Really? Because, I mean, before this traveling all the time was certainly busy, but right. train time was when I would read. Uh, I can't uh-huh. read as much. I feel like I'm just always working. I mean, right. like, I was always working, but, oh, it's going to take an hour to get to this school. I'll get a lot of reading done. Now it's like I'm just working eight hours a day. <laughs> I totally, I totally get it. I used to read the most on the subway as well <laughs> when I was living in New York City. Pre-pandemic. What were the most challenging parts of your job? What were the most rewarding parts Mm -hmm. of your job? And how has that changed now during the pandemic? Hmm. Well, certainly the most challenging is, well, believe it or not, some people don't want to talk to librarians. (laughs) No. (laughs) So sometimes getting into schools was hard because people think or don't know like that the library is free and you know teachers are busy so sometimes I'd be like hey I want to come to your school and they'd be like I have no time for you like who are you I don't want what you're selling and I'm like no not selling anything I want to make your lives better and they're like too much work go away which I understand so that was very challenging that people were kind of like 
you know, teachers, they're overworked, they're probably underpaid and they're like, go away. I don't have time for anything that you want to talk about, which was, was very annoying. Cause I was like, if you just let me speak to you, you'll see that I'm trying to make your lives better and teach your students for you. So that sometimes wasn't great. I had some schools that were like problem schools. In fact, one of them I had just gotten into to do a presentation after like five years of trying to get them to let me in. And then the pandemic happened. (laughs) There were some schools that like just did not care. The program also provided um, fine free borrowing for their students for books. So a lot of schools would sign up and use that, but didn't really want much of anything else, Mm -hmm. which kind of a struggle to be like, no, you are contractually obligated to let us in by signing up for this program. Um, But on the opposite end, it was super rewarding when I would finally get those relationships. I mean, I had one teacher, she is, or school librarian, she's a librarian for six schools. She is one person and she serves six schools And at the beginning, she was kind of like, no, I have no time. And then we kind of worked together and we realized that like, I can come in and do like a 10 minute chat with this teacher and a 10 and it, it became this whole thing where pre pandemic, I would now come in once a month and do something. And it became this great relationship and being in direct contact with kids. That is the most rewarding especially when you can hand them a book that they read and engage with you on. So about maybe a year ago, we had done this program where I had gotten a few of my colleagues in and we'd done book talks for kids where we try to pitch books for them to read. And I pitched one of my favorite new books that came out years ago, uh, Dread Nation, which is best described as Civil War and Zombies. It's <laughs> fantastic and super timely. Yeah, as as there's a possibly a vaccine for the zombies going uh-huh. on. <laughs> it's really good. But I had given it to a kid and as a book talk and they had written me, I'm sure their teachers made them, but whatever. They had written me thank you notes telling me what they liked about the book or didn't like about the book. And it was just like the greatest feeling that, you know, I was able to give them a book. And even if they didn't like it, like one kid was like, I found it interesting, even though zombies aren't something I like. And I was like, okay, that's good. <laughs> Let's talk about this. But that's just so nice when you can give a book, somebody chooses to read a book based on something that you've said and that you've had some sort of impact on their lives. That's just the best feeling. Mm-hmm. So I still- I'm going to save those little thank you notes. Mm, Yeah, Um, nice. (laughs) And certainly it's changed not being in contact. I mean, I don't see kids. Right. Occasionally, very occasionally, I get an email from a student. But it's usually asking me, like, my library card's not working. Or I got an overdue notice. Or, like, help, I want to return my books, but the library's closed. Or where do I return these, you know? I feel like the struggles are a lot more now Mm. uh, because it's a lot of like troubleshooting. Like I feel like I've kind of become like an IT person for these schools, (laughs) which I wasn't expecting because I'm like, it's all about like my apps not working or my, my cards not working. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is 
like, I guess rewards are different. Like if I write a good blog and I did write a, a blog with a colleague of mine and it was featured in our, in the main library's newsletter. That was nice. That was rewarding, nice. but like, I didn't get like personal feedback. <laughs> right. You know, I, I do, I do miss that. Libraries have been a big part of my life since as early as I can remember. Um, my dad uh, used to take my siblings and I either every week or every couple of weeks to the library as I grew up and, and I was in New York city and, and I, w- I was in so many branches of the New York public library. I love the, the fifth Avenue building with the, the lions and the, and, and I would do so much research there. And then came the internet and I found that I was in physical libraries less. Can you make a case now? This, this is your pitch for the continuation of support of actual physical public libraries. Absolutely. First and foremost, like we all have a lot of us rather here have the internet, but a lot of people don't. Um, And that has actually really come to light now with the pandemic. There is a huge digital divide. And in New York City, which is what I can speak to firsthand, a lot of kids do not have internet at home. That is a huge, huge problem. And we've certainly realized that now with the pandemic, the Department of Education has been giving out like iPads and people don't have internet. The library in the past, it was, I believe it's been three years of the program. We've had a hotspot lending program where we've lent out hotspots for students in currently enrolled in elementary through high school to have at home. So that's been great, but also for, you know, the people who cannot get hotspots or for adults who don't have kids in school that are not eligible to borrow hotspots from the library, the library is their hotspot. That's where they go to get on the internet. It's where they go if they don't have the internet and are working on possibly their citizenship. A lot of libraries have citizenship corners um, to help people get their citizenship or to look into how to do that. Also, we're in a census year. That's another thing. So you can't, you know, maybe you get in the census mail to you and you don't know what it is. Libraries are, a lot of us are trained census workers. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that librarians can do and help you fill out your census. If you are an undocumented American and you get the census, you might be like, I can't fill this out. They're going to come find me and deport me. And the library can help you realize that that is not the case and mm-hmm. help know what your rights are and how the census helps you. When IDNYC, the New York City identification cards that are not a driver's license, when that happened, a lot of the areas where you could sign up for an IDNYC card were libraries and those you can have your preferred, the pronouns that you use, the gender that you identify with. Um, It is regardless of your immigration status. Those were all available at the library. Also, personally, as a millennial, I do not own a printer. That's where I did all my printing was at the library or at work. But yeah, way back when, when I would get on an airplane and go on vacation, I had to print out my boarding passes and I had forgotten to do it at work. And I went down the street to my local library and your first five pages are free. So we uh, (laughs) got our boarding passes. So yeah. And also it's a, it's a space. It's a third space. It is not your work. It is not your home. 
And it is a place where you can be no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing. Well, you know, you got to be respectful and, you know, (laughs) follow the rules of the library. Probably don't do drugs in the library's bathroom, but, you know, you can be there, especially like if you live near, if if you're in a shelter um, that does not provide housing for you during the day, you know, you sleep there, then you have to leave. The library is a place where you can exist. When libraries reopen, if you find a library and you walk past it right before opening, there will be a crowd of people outside, no matter where you are. They're trying to get in. They want to get in. They're like, is it 10 a.m. yet? Let me in. There are people who want to be there. If kids after school, you know, mm-hmm. there are programs for kids and there are caregivers in the mornings. It's a place to be. It has a bathroom. It has air conditioning or heat. You know, it doesn't rain in there where you can exist. and. That's what our, our tax dollars pay for. So it's like, it's for everyone, no matter, no matter what. I did mention that, that we have a lot of things in common before we, we were both New Yorkers. I was also an English major and we also made career changes. So um, can you tell me about your, your transition and what that was like for you? When I graduated Muhlenberg with my English degree, I, I went directly into a, uh, the Denver Publishing Institute which I had heard about through a Muhlenberg alum who spoke at a career day at Muhlenberg. And I thought, wow, publishing sounds great. I should, I should do that. Um, and I kind of just went right there and was very happy there for a long time because I liked, I worked in educational preschool publishing. I worked for Sesame Workshop, the nonprofit mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. So we're big fans of, uh, well, I was never a huge fan of Elmo personally, but... Um, <laughs> Rover's more my jam. Elmo was was way beyond my time. I was I was Ernie and Bert. I loved books and I loved education. And I feel like my mom was also my mom was an educator. She is now retired, but was a reading specialist in elementary schools. So I feel like I've always loved books. Books were kind of in my life all the time. And I also really liked school. So it kind of came as a surprise. You know, I had been working for Sesame Street for a while because books and because it was the first job I got Mm -hmm. um, out of Denver Publishing Institute. I got this job and I was like, great, it's it's a job. (laughs) I'm going to take that. And I was there for 10 years and about halfway through it, about five years is when my friend said, oh, I always thought you'd be a librarian. Right. And I thought, that's great. I should do that. Sesame had a tuition reimbursement program. Ah, nice. I was able to get three quarters of my tuition subsidized by. So I was like, great. Like why I like school. School is fun. I was never very great at school. I just always really enjoyed it. (laughs) But when the price is right, you just get you, sure i'll get a degree that'll that'll be great i did it part time one class a semester over 5 years oh wow and it was completely online which now is a lot more popular but back then <laughs> we're like what what are you doing and i'm like <laughs> and it was live classes too which was the best part it was oh, like interesting yeah like once a week on wednesday nights you know i had class for 3 hours with lectures i had presentations and 
then I just kind of used my schoolwork within the realm of Sesame Street. I became like the manager of our asset library of books at Sesame. And then starting in 2008, everything flipped out, but I survived every layoff, every layoff. I was not laid off until 2014, 20, God, I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I think it was 2014. Yeah, that sounds about right. 2014. Okay. So I survived from t- 2008 to 2014, where every year to two years, there was just a huge round of layoffs. And I was like, I am, I'm golden. I'm going to keep my job forever. Um, and then like, there was like a small blip where I heard, oh, maybe some people. And I was one of those people. And that was uh, pretty rough. But because I'd worked there for 10 years, I had a lovely severance package. So I kind of just started like applying for literally every job. I wanted to be a young adult librarian or a children's librarian in a branch. And it didn't happen for me. This job, School Outreach, was the first one that pinged. And I took it because I was unemployed. And it turned out to be the greatest blessing because instead of being in one branch, seeing the same people, I got to travel and see so many different types of kids, so many different neighborhoods. And even though it was a pretty terrible feeling being laid off, I think it was quite, uh, well, it was certainly beneficial for my career because at Sesame, I was in one place. They did not promote you unless like somebody left. There had to be an opening. You just didn't get a promotion. So I was kind of in the same place and I was probably going to be in the same place for a long time. Uh, nobody left uh, voluntarily. You know, they, they kicked you out. People right. were there because they loved it. And it was great. I had a great boss. I had, a, I had great colleagues. We're still friends. They came to my wedding. Like, it was wonderful. But I wasn't going anywhere. And I feel like now as a librarian, it's still definitely like a niche career. Yeah. But I have a much wider, I guess, like world of books, wider world of people that I know. And I'm actually going back to school again. I know, I know I've chosen like the worst time, but again, it's being subsidized. So when the price is right, I'm going back to school and I'm going to get my uh, teaching certification and I guess come full circle and um, work towards becoming a school librarian. So that's very cool. If there's anyone listening, whether it's a Muhlenberg student or alum or anyone else who is interested in doing the type of work that you're doing, what words of advice would you give them? What big recommendations or tips would you give them? So I feel like if you're interested in becoming a librarian, it's really a a labor of love (laughs) because you have to get you have to get another degree for a job that you're probably not going to get rich doing (laughs) getting your library degree is, is pretty great. This is one piece of advice that somebody just gave me, which is if you're going to do this, don't call it library school because it makes other people think that like you like, just like took like a, a class here or there. Like it's a master's degree. Like I have a master's of science. Like I, I framed my diploma. I'm like, this is like, I, I have a degree in this and you want to make sure that people know that because it's, a lot of people think the librarian is just something that like, oh yeah, we have parental volunteers who, who are a librarian. No, like it's the science. We study it. 
we have our degrees and that helps further the profession and know that it has worth and that it's not just something you can roll out of bed and we don't just shush people. So <laughs> I've literally had that question, like, is this what you do all day? you got a degree in shushing? I'm like, yes, that's no. Oh man. But it is a wonderful profession. And if you like people and you like helping people, then please join us. There are special kind of people that are librarians. Also, it is not essential that you love books. I mean, it certainly helped with me, but no matter where you came from, if you're becoming a librarian straight from school or you want to be, but you weren't an English major, librarians come from everywhere. I was one of few English majors in my graduate work. There were art majors, music majors, whatever. Mm -hmm. librarianship is about information not just books books happen to be the main mode of information for the longest time but this is a degree in information and whatever information you're interested in you can help disseminate that and help other people get information too it's it's wonderful and it's a nice community i feel like librarians like other librarians and it's just a good community of People who are generally progressive, generally open-minded, generally, you would hope, nice people, people, people who like people. It's great. It's, I'm very lucky to have the opportunity to work in something that I love, that is a passion. And if you want to do that too, and you are able to, then you should join us. This episode of 2400 Chew was produced by me, Tammy Katzoff, Associate Director of the Muhlenberg College Career Center. It was recorded remotely and engineered by Paul Kremposky at the studios of WMUH, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.